You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louie Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets. <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little, little bit of a look at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot. There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands, acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of. It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, but they have a burlesque venue that runs for one week only, and get your tickets for that early because that always sells out actually 95 percent we've crunched the data louis yes. 95 percent of the shows sell out so if you're listening to this in the months of march and april be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today yes especially if your bucket list item is to see the opening show get them now absolutely on this episode of the Moisture Festival podcast, we are joined in person by the fantastic juggler, Jeremiah Johnston. We have a great time chatting about how he got into juggling and all the different kinds of styles of juggling that he does. Yeah, we figure out how he went from being a basketball player, an aspiring NBA player, to becoming a professional juggler, performing with Louie and I at a fair. <laughs> so yes. it's a great interview. Awesome to have him in person. Let's get to it. Let's do it. On today's Moisture Festival podcast, we have an in-person, in-studio interview. In-studio, by that, we are in a meeting room. Yes, we are. We The performer we're interviewing today is a two-time bronze medalist at the International Jugglers Association Convention. On TikTok, he's got over 22 million views on a single video. He is one of the best working jugglers on the West Coast. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the convention room, Jeremiah Johnson. Woo! Whoa, you guys make me sound good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And this is exciting, like, uh, not only because you know, you're know you our friend, but also just doing this in person is, is uh, awesome. And we're all three of us, we're currently working at the same fair, the Lynn County Fair in Albany. And uh, how's this fair been going for you, dude? It's been going great. It was a little tricky getting acquainted with the first day and just getting acquainted with the venue and everything. But uh, all in all, I found my groove. Yesterday yeah. was awesome. And uh, by the end of the day on, what was it, Thursday, 
uh, I was I was also grooving. Yeah. So tell the the listeners uh, exactly what you do. So I am a full on juggler. I do juggling entertainment mm. at fairs and other other events, but fairs is my main thing, especially during the spring, summer, and into the fall. And so I've got a daytime show that I can do as a circle show or a stage show. I also do a lot of strolling entertainment. I buzz around on my electric unicycle because I'm too lazy to pedal. <laughs> Hang on, let's back up. All right, describe, because if, if someone's never seen the electric unicycle, what is it? So uh, there was a cartoon at one point with like a version of Donald Duck from the future kind of, and the guy was on one wheel. I don't remember its name, and it like buzzed around, and it, it, it basically is just a wheel. It's just a wheel. <laughs> Between your legs, between your feet, between your feet, yeah, yeah. You like you hold onto it with like your ankles. Yeah, it yeah. Looks like I mean, you're probably not. But. Yeah, you're not. You're, just, you're literally just standing on the thing, and the the mechanics of it, the physics of it, is just like a hoverboard or a Segway. It self balances forward and backward, but because there's only one wheel, you have to learn the the balance. Mm. It feels a lot like learning to ride a bike. Once the thing starts moving, it basically stays balanced. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but. Because there's only one wheel, if you stop, you have to either put your foot down or fall over. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely harder than learning anything with two wheels. Mm-hmm. In the yeah. Same and so did you learn to ride a regular unicycle first? Or you're like, you know, I'm going to skip that and go straight to the electric unicycle. I fiddled around with a regular unicycle, but never got good enough that I brought it into the show in any way. Yeah. And then when the electric unicycle started hitting the scene, I had a lot of friends that started playing around with it. And there was a specific night I remember uh, we were at Flow Toys in the Bay Area and my friend was buzzing around on the wheel doing tricks on the wheel, like uh, foot tricks with the wheel and juggling his vision clubs at the same time. And I was like, that, uh, I want to do that. It got, like glow in the, their glow in the dark or LED juggling clubs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And that combination, I was like, that's, yeah. Juggling from the future, right there. <laughs> That's the Donald that Duck the cartoon <laughs> I remember yeah. as a child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to sort of how you got into becoming a how you became a juggler, then how you transitioned from becoming a juggler into becoming a juggler, full time performer. So, where did you learn to juggle at? Where did the genesis? Where were you exposed to it at first? So, juggling. I've actually had juggling in my life for as long as I can remember, my dad was a juggler way back in his college years. Was he a good juggler or just like a hobby juggler? Uh, He was a hobby juggler. So he wasn't an entertainer, but he was teaching like juggling classes, Mm -hmm. especially passing. I don't know how much. Yeah. uh, And I don't really have many memories of him juggling. I just know it's a thing he did. And there was always this box of juggling props in the attic at the house. And I didn't think much of it. Uh, but I do have pictures of myself when I was like two years old holding some old dubets. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Do you have a memory of him teaching you how to juggle? Or? No. I actually remember learning to juggle. Uh, it was middle school. And one of my, we had like medieval days at some point in sixth grade. And my friend learned to juggle at medieval days. I, for whatever reason, didn't have that part of medieval days. The juggling <laughs> part? Yeah, yeah. He taught me. They usually cut. It's the first to get cut in yeah. medieval days. <laughs> right. We had our, my sixth grade class overall was like, there were five classes. Three of them swapped and then two of them swapped. And so there were like two sections. And so only 
one section actually experienced that part of it. Mm-hmm. And I was the other section. But so my friend actually taught me when we were hanging out and I uh, learned a few basic tricks. I was I was a pretty athletic kid, so I, did you teach him what you learned in the Renaissance class? Did you teach him the loot? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we. I don't think I had anything that I taught him from it. <laughs> it was a one-sided exchange. <laughs> it was a one-sided exchange. All right, so you so you're juggling in sixth grade. Did you, you did you keep up with it through high school, or did it kind of go away a little bit? Definitely not. No, I learned the basics. I, I think I probably practiced a little in the dugout playing baseball because dugouts in baseball it tends to be a lot of downtime yeah. yeah um and i did learn a couple tricks some one up to uh maybe some you know uh some over the top uh or some tennis something like the half mm-hmm. shower but, these uh, are all juggling moves Louis, thank you just so thank you know. okay, okay. <laughs> just so you know. i was like hey you learn to play tennis and shower <laughs> i forget sometimes this is not just a juggling <laughs> podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Well, it happens a lot when we have because we've interviewed. We've only interviewed a handful of jugglers, but yeah. we've interviewed a lot of magicians, and like they'll sometimes get into the weeds a little Super bit. And deep. I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Right. At least there's always one of you though to yeah. like carry it along until we talk to the mime, and then we're like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then you're both out." <laughs> okay, so you so you learn you, you had some basic skills, and then uh, eventually you moved to Northern California, right? And that's sort of like where things sort of became. Well, I grew up in the Central Sierras in California, mm. kind of between Yosemite and Tahoe, mm. in a little town, a uh, small mountain town. And I played a ton of basketball from middle school up through high school. And so I learned to juggle, but I really didn't think much about it. I was yeah. like, ah, cool trick, okay. And then I, I was obsessed with basketball. And that's really where I say I got my hands. I would, I was one of those kids that came back from basketball practice two hours after high school and would practice for another two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. We had what an was your awesome position? half court outside what was your, my house. What was your position? Uh, I played uh, uh, forward. Okay. So Could which, you dunk? Which is like, I could barely dunk. Ah, nice. Yeah. I, did, I did have at least one game that I dunked in. Nice. And uh, how, nice. How, many, how many that you failed dunking in? Oh, yeah. Not many. <laughs> Most of the time, if you I was, know if I was gonna, attempting yeah. it, I had like a good clean breakaway. I think there's definitely one that I like just bonked it right off the back <laughs> of the rim. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so you're playing basketball in high school, and then you go to college. Yeah, and you went to college for something interesting. I had no idea what I went to college okay. for. Okay, yeah, I went to college. Or sorry, you well, went he went to, to that was what you do. He went, he went to humble. He went to humble state, right? Yeah. But what's yeah. your degree in? Uh, well, my degree ended up being in interdisciplinary dance. Hang on. I, I just got a text. I got to run away for a second. Now that Louis has gone and who knows if he's going to come back, we're doing this in the middle of affair. So, you know, yeah. he's being called and all, you Anything know, goes. yeah. Um, so you learned, so you went to Humboldt state and you know, you're sort of juggling and sort of, you know, learning some interdisciplinary dance, whatever that is. Not really. The, the sequence of events was that I finished up I finished up high school, was super obsessed with basketball, had all these delusions of glory of playing <laughs> basketball in college or yeah. you know, maybe even the NBA. Yeah. And it dawned on me very quickly before I even went to Humboldt at community college that all of a sudden I was not playing the same game that I was yeah. playing in high school. 
Well, you're in a small town. You're the, you just you said you're the the tallest person on your your team. Yeah, you know, you're, I was at six three. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not exactly forward. Yeah, uh, so I, you know, you go to a, a school where there's people your size who've been playing the same amount. You know, like yeah. so you're like, okay, maybe that dream is not. Yeah, it dawned on me pretty quickly. I started doing a little bit of pregame, and the competition was ratcheted up so much higher. Yeah, I wasn't playing with my friends anymore, and. It was really one of the only things I had experienced, and suddenly I was being unleashed on the world yeah. and realized there was a lot of other things to try. And so that was about when I realized that juggling might fill some of this basketball void. Uh, so it was still around in sort of your you know existence, yeah. the juggling. It didn't go away. Right. I, it was really that I re like I rediscovered that box of props uh, in the attic. Yeah. And in the box... Were some Dubai torches uh-huh. and some clubs right next to it. And I was like, oh, that looks like a fun party trick. I was just entering college. It's yeah, time yeah. to have some party tricks. And uh, <laughs> and so I grabbed grabbed the torches and grabbed the clubs. Uh-huh. Obviously, it was obvious enough to me anyway yeah. that you learn the clubs first. And that is how you learn the torches. Mm. So I got good enough at that before I even got to Humble. And your dad was not here helping you out, like guiding you along? He was around. He was like, call me when around. you can do five, son. He was that's, around. That's when was- your training begins. <laughs> Sad story, actually. He was he was stuck in a wheelchair at that point, oh, so yeah. he was not really there to teach me. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he was there. He like, you know, encouraged some verbal you, yeah, encouragement, yeah. but couldn't like show me how to do the tricks yeah. at that point. I definitely saw it as and felt the relationship, the physical relationship from basketball mm-hmm. to juggling, and could tell that the skills would carry over. Yeah, coordination for yeah. sure. Like especially if you were playing baseball and stuff, you used to like catching things, throwing things. Yeah. You know, manipulating you know objects with your hands. Yeah. I do think it is a natural transition if you are like some sort of athlete. Yeah. To you know juggling, I don't think is would be very difficult to learn. And so you uh, you went to community college and then you went to Humboldt State, and I know that. Humboldt County has a huge circus scene. Is yeah. that like uh, sort of like your first foyer into performing the circus arts and the variety arts? Or I came in about four years after the Humboldt Circus Club had mm-hmm. been created in Humboldt. And uh, that was sort of the second wave. And so there was a whole other group of like new fledgling jugglers entering at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the juggling festival i think was entering its fifth year which had started about the same time yeah and so there was just this surge of juggling activity and circus activity happening at humboldt uh and i got thrown right into the middle of it and saw my first five ball juggler hanging out on the quad under the clock tower and he was holding down five like unlike anybody i had ever seen (laughs) as far as i could remember Uh And, uh, and I had done enough juggling at that point. I could juggle torches. I could do some tricks with balls, but I had never seen this before. Yeah. Like I I went up and picked his brain immediately. I was like, where the heck did you learn that? (laughs) Tell me. Yeah. And he pointed me to the circus club. And, uh, and from there just twice a week, we would do a show every month or not every month. Sorry. We do a show every semester. And, uh, and it was all just a bunch of random students. Like none of us were theater people Mm -hmm. the club was not associated with the theater department so it was very much this diy did the school give you some sort of funding for that at all we were an official club Uh on campus two official clubs Ah. on campus technically juggling and circus there was the juggling club that hosted the festival every year Uh and then there was the circus club which did its own thing and had the weekly meetings 
But one of the key things was that the circus club got a rental space mm. basically for free on campus because they were a club. Uh-huh. So we had practice space. We could get theaters. For, oh, that's cool. Pennies on the dollar. Um, and the biggest thing was just making sure to try and book the space uh-huh. and find the gaps in the schedule. Yeah. It's part of the why the festival used to happen every spring on spring break between uh, between semesters because the gym was actually available. Is that when you first started developing like a show is like you said that the Humboldt State Circus Club would do shows every quarter. So yeah. were you doing it coming up with your own act or was it like a group collaboration or was it like, I'm going to maybe put this together and then start to maybe develop my own show? Like when it definitely started as sort of a ensemble thing, there was the show was just a big collaborative effort, uh-huh. but you, we would break up in into little groups and do yeah. various acts like, okay, the juggling act. All right. You people are going to do the acro act. Oh. Who wants to do what? Oh, were you show? doing all this stuff? No, oh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I dabbled in a lot of different things at the time, uh-huh. but I definitely had a main focus in juggling. Gotcha. And I was uh, pretty hesitant as a performer at first. I really did not have much interest in being on stage until I saw other jugglers doing juggling performances yeah. on stage. I was like, oh, that actually looks like fun. Mm. And I recognized it as sort of the the one of the peak expressions of all that practice, right? Like you put all this time into practicing and training your skills. And if you never step on stage and like turn it into a crafted routine, yeah. then it's sort of just this like time that gets lost in yeah. ether to some degree. Well, I mean, unless it's like, you know, it's just a hobby that you enjoy and it's like maybe an escape yeah. for you to like not think about your nine to five, totally. you know, software job or something. Yeah. What I think about interesting about juggling and a lot of people might not know this is like, usually when you're watching like a technical juggler, you're really only seeing like 60% of their technical skill, right? Like, I mean, like the best jugglers in the world, they're not showing their hardest stuff just because it's too risky to do? Do you, th- do you concur with that or am I, you know? I definitely, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I know my performances, I throw down some pretty high level tricks in my show that are more risky maybe than some people would yeah. go for, but that's also part of my my show. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I wanna show people the edge. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that I'm working on and have been practicing yeah. for a long time that I still just don't feel like it either doesn't read right to an audience, right? Yeah. To an audience. Like the risk is not worth the reward. Yeah. If I do manage to hit the trick. Um, and that might just be because it's like just visually not that interesting. Mm. There's some tricks that I work on more for myself. Um, and to like stay knowledgeable about the various styles of juggling that are out there. Uh, but then there's tricks that I work on knowing that I want this to be in the show. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to use this as a performance trick. So. When did you make the transition from I'm a college juggler in a club that, you know, just having fun. We're doing occasional shows. When did you make that pivot to like, all right, this is something that I can actually make a living doing. Or who did you see that was like a template that's like, oh, wow, I have that same amount of skill. Like maybe that's something I can pursue. When did the juggling become a realistic job for you yeah the humboldt circus club and doing the shows was an important factor in that the juggling festival the humboldt juggling festival was also an important factor because i got to see 
real entertainers. Yeah, doing because juggling they bring in professional acts. Yeah, exactly. And then we also, as the Humboldt Circus Club, would actually go and attend other juggling festivals. Mm-hmm. So that like further inspired it. And I started working with uh, three other guys in college, and we started doing routines together. At first, just in the circus uh, show, and over time we started branching out a little bit. This was the poetic motion machine. Myself, my brother, uh, Eli March from Circus Luminescence and Stephen Weaven, uh, Stephen Diamond, who's uh, out there doing what Stephen Weaven does. So you were the motion. Who was the poetic? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> good question. Probably Eli. Okay, all right. Eli, all right. Eli was definitely the poetic. Uh, was it, I, was part, was it? I was the machine. Oh, yeah. There <laughs> you go. The You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there actual poetry? <laughs> Uh, no. Oh. Well, actually, I suppose I, I can't remember when Eli came up with his poem. He did. Ju- he does still do uh, three balls in a poem. Uh-huh. And it's very much about the, all the different parts of life spiraling together. Uh-huh. And, like, just brings a tear <laughs> yeah. to your eye we'll, every we'll, time. we'll get Eli yeah. on and have yeah, him yeah. do it for us. <laughs> you should. Maybe it'll be the first time we cry on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We usually cry after the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you realize how much editing you have to yeah, do. Yeah, we cry during the editing process. <laughs> uh, so. so you started doing, you were doing the, the group stuff, and then you were branching out doing like local shows? or Not really. It was quite a while before I started doing any solo shows. Uh-huh. We started putting together more partner acts. And at first we would do a show like we, I think we hosted a few little theater shows and we would do some solo acts and we do some partner acts. And eventually we put together a routine that we realized could be a fit at the IJA competitions, which is the international jugglers association. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so we good job, Louie. Nice We're proud job. of you, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's learning. <laughs> So we took that to uh, the IJA. I don't even remember where we were. I think it was like South Carolina or something like that. And we got our first bronze medal. Yeah. And that was a big moment in my mind of realizing how much potential that I or we, I didn't really know at the time, had as as an entertainer. And, And that was really the big seed Mm. and it was at the Oregon country fair. I think the following year that it really dawned on me as I'm practicing on the hollow juggling ground where the Karamazov brothers trained their shows. Yeah. Somebody came up in the middle of the fair and, and told me that while I was practicing and, uh, and I was just obsessed. I couldn't put anything down at that point. And that man was Tim first. <laughs> Could have been for all I know. <laughs> yeah, Tim comes up. I wouldn't have known him at the time. So, Well, now, and is that how you ended up? Was your gateway to the Moisture Festival through the Oregon Country Fair? Tim knew me from probably past Portland Juggling Festivals. Okay. So he knew, he knew of, of my skills and repertoire. Mm. And so how did you end up at the Oregon Country Fair? I... My... F- one of the poetic motion machine crew, Eli, had been going since he was a kid. Ah. And so my first Oregon Country Fair was as his SO. Ah. <laughs> Significant other. Thank so. you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Not a juggling yeah. term. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, it's been kind of spotty. Uh, my, my attendance at the fair has been spotty since then. I went with my brother one year uh, and... 
another year went as an entertainer. Yeah. Um, and people who are listening to this, the, the Oregon Country Fair comes up a lot in these interviews yes. because it does, it is like a common place that a lot of the, the founders sort of met at or would, you know, hang out at. It's a feeder event to the Moisture Festival. Yeah, sort yeah. of, you know, it's like Burning Man light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In totally different ways too. Yeah. You yeah. were just at the, so that happened what, two weeks ago or last week? Yeah. 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 I just yeah. got back from Moisture. Yeah. Or, no, La- no, it was last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you got to do something different, though. You met, you were telling me you one of your passions is teaching juggling. I love teaching juggling. And you're doing uh, juggling teaching there. Yeah. Yeah. The Oregon Country Fair, part of why it's such an inspiration for so many entertainers is because there's such a diversity of different styles of variety entertainment uh, and just opportunities to, to learn and get initiated into this world. And so the Something I noticed when I first went was a part of the fair called the Yes You Canopy, which is in Shayla Mela Meadow. And the whole thing is just dedicated to introducing people to juggling and teaching them. Ah. So there's a bunch of props. There's a bunch of people there ready to teach you if you seem interested. And so I was a part. I was one of a team of 10 people. uh, And we would just tag off basically like you do these four hours, you do these four hours and make sure that the props don't get thrown into the river and (laughs) that people are having fun and learning stuff. And so that was, that was a dream to be able to go and teach that. Yeah. Um, as an alternative to performing because I do so much performing anyway. Um, that is kind of a nice break. Well, it's kind of like it, it's kind of like your show, you know, because uh, because I juggle in my act, I don't get to work with you a lot, you know. And so we've yeah. worked together now twice in the last three weeks, and I saw your show for the first time, and it is like pretty inspirational juggling slash TED talk, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it's just like you're just you're sharing your passion for juggling and what it's meant to you in your life, and you you're expressing that in your show, and I thought that was a nice way to view a juggling show as opposed to like the traditional like someone like who's a comedy juggler is making jokes all the time or doing silly stupid stuff like you're just like this is what i love i'm going to show you some badass stuff Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm going to tell you what all this stuff is and it's pretty cool to watch was that a conscious thing or is that just like you were so passionate about juggling you're like i'm just going to do this in my show it was definitely a really conscious thing seeing the various models of juggling entertainers out there I recognized that I wanted to do something that it wasn't just that I wanted to do something different. It was that I really wanted to highlight juggling as like an art and as yeah. an athletic form. Right. I always saw it as like, I immediately recognized like this almost martial arts quality that juggling has. And when I looked at the rest of the world, I saw them perceiving it so much differently than I had as a juggler yeah, that I realized there was this big disconnect. Like it's not for clowns and people with chainsaws. Like yeah. it's much more than that. There's so much between clowns and chainsaw juggling, you know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah. so I really took it upon myself to create a show that shared the juggling arts with people and tried to educate them on it. Yeah. And as such, when I first started juggling, part of the great thing about the circus club was that we had a collective group of props or a collective uh, closet basically and the circus club would take the revenue that we made from the shows that we do every semester and we'd just buy props so there were unicycles there was a walking globe there were cigar boxes there were diablos there was contact balls like anything we could think of there was a certain point when we're like 
what else can we even buy? Like we have everything in the We closet. own all the circus props <laughs> in the world. Right. We've got an elephant in there. <laughs> right. And so it gave me the opportunity to like dabble in all these different styles. Yeah. And get a good sense of what was available as a prop manipulator and juggler. Yeah. And so that, that provided the foundation for the show. Like by the time I even started thinking about doing my own solo show, I already knew some basic cigar boxes and Diablo, yeah. clubs, balls, contact juggling, like all these different things, yeah. roll a bola. And so, uh, so it, 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 that helped me better see how I could make a whole show out of educating people about juggling. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Another name to just drop, like Reese Thomas has a little bit of a, a – that going on in his show a little he's bit like yeah teaching yeah. people about yeah. it as he's doing all the things yeah it's very juggling oriented yeah like, yes yeah, yeah like juggle mania and something you show. said to yeah. me uh, a couple of weeks ago that i felt interesting is you said when you were coming up with your show you noticed that all the jugglers that you watched were running away from being a juggler or being identified as a juggler using the word jugglers and you thought that was interesting and you wanted to do the opposite am i misquoting that no or, you're you're yeah. about right on that yeah, yeah. that's cr- i never really noticed that but you are <laughs> yeah. totally correct i mean it is totally correct i mean yeah. like as someone who came up juggling like it's certainly something i tried to avoid using that term to identify the things that i do in my show yeah i'm trying yeah. to remember if I may have even got advice along those lines. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to do a juggling show, huh? Just don't use the word juggler in your yeah. marketing. You probably, I, that's probably me. I, I, probably, I don't know. I don't know if I actually got that advice. Or I'm if it sure just, I've, I've heard him say that. Yeah. You know, oftentimes it's, uh, it's just even, it may just be the case that as I was trying to figure out how to market my show and I'm looking at other jugglers yeah. that are working out there and I'm looking at their marketing and how they're doing it, it, might have just made have been a realization. I was like, why is nobody like owning this juggling? Yeah. Thing? I was like, okay, well, if I'm gonna do a juggling show, like I want it to be awesome. Totally. And like showing you the coolest, best tricks that I can. Yeah, and that's what's cool is you you don't really see like long form, like straight juggling shows, right? Like you yeah. see technical jugglers in shorter formats, like yeah. in a circus, you know, six to six to eight minute acts. Yeah. And you're doing like a long form 45. Here's like some balls. Here's what you can do with clubs. Here's what you can do with, yeah. you know, cigar boxes and this and that. It's really like a greatest hits of juggling props. And, right. and you do all of them well. And uh, it's it's awesome to watch, honestly. And since you were since I'm going to go back to your college just real quick because uh, Humble is in Arcata, yeah, and Del Arte is very close to Arcata. Did you ever have any crossover? With very some? little. Okay. There were a co- there was one or two people who would come and hang out a little bit, and it just sort of became part of the juggling circus scene there. Mm. But it actually was kind of funny. I recognized that even while I was going to school, I was like, "There's a." literally a clown college up the street yeah I've never been there uh-huh. i don't really know anybody from there i have no idea what's going on <laughs> everyone over there. whispers about what <laughs> yeah. goes on at the clown college <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but more influential back in college was actually that sort of parallel to the circus club was also this new collective of fire dancers mm-hmm. fire dancing was also coming up really fast yeah and so i would like hang out with the circus during the day and then i'd run off to the beach at night with the fire dancers and was like learning to spin staff and spin poi and like juggle fire of course yeah. because that was kind of what got me started in the mm. first place and uh the flow arts i don't think we even had the term at that point was was a major influence too and yeah. it's part of what has allowed me to make the club or the the juggling show 
stand out a little bit in a different way. I'm not just standing there doing different kinds of site swaps. For yeah, people, yeah. Right? So okay, have a very distinctive so, style. Site swaps is a technical juggling. It's pattern. math. It's math. Yeah, it's math. We've <laughs> talked about that on I think on this podcast yeah, before yeah. with several people. But flow arts is a style of movement while you juggle, right? I suppose you could say that. Yeah, flow arts. Flow arts. The term is sort of referring to a different style of manipulation. It's like poi spinning, staff spinning, props that naturally have a certain flow to them. Hula hooping is usually lumped into the flow arts category. Um, but then there's there's always been sort of this divide between flow arts and juggling yeah. that's slowly been trickling coming together to some yeah. degree. The difference is highly disputed. What exactly is the difference mm. between the flow arts and the juggling arts? And everybody will give you a little different answer. I, it's all kind of part of object manipulation and exploring yeah. the physics of how objects move around our body and how we can interact with them in interesting ways, in short. Yeah. <laughs> did your, did your inter, interdisciplinary dance what was, what was the title of your interdisciplinary dance? Yeah. Did that come into play? Did that help you in the flow? Like, how does that help yeah. your show today? Like, how does was that the, one of the disciplines is flow? flow. Poi <laughs> is one of my dances. Yeah. Staff is my other dance. And hula hooping is the third. <laughs> well, so I got back from doing the IJA competition and then having this really inspiring summer and realizing like how in love with juggling I was yeah. as a, as a activity, as a, potential path. And I, so I took some time off from college. I took about a year off and just to sort of process all of this. And I started, that's when I really started to put together my first solo show. And I realized I'd already invested so much time and money in college that I really it would have felt stupid to me to graduate from college or to not graduate from college, Yeah, like missed opportunity. Uh, and so I started looking into what the fastest route out of college was. <laughs> besides dropping out? <laughs> yeah, besides dropping out and still getting a degree. And it, and at first I like dabbled in theater. I did theater uh, major for one semester before I realized that theater majors actually don't do any theater. They just work in the background. Yeah. Right. Yeah, At least yeah. in Humboldt, that was the case. You were learning to be a tech, yeah. not an actual actor. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, this isn't quite right. And then my friend turned me on to the interdisciplinary dance degree, which is one of those random things that only Humboldt has. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was able to switch over to that as a degree with an arts emphasis is what they called it. And I was able to apply some of my my participation with the circus club as elective credits toward oh, the major. Oh, and so it very quickly became it obvious. Fast track. Not fast only track. was this the quickest way out of college, but it was also probably the most relevant to juggling. Yeah. Short of maybe getting a business degree or something like that, which was totally out of the question at that time. Maybe I'll go to Humboldt and get an interdisciplinary <laughs> dance degree. I don't know if Cal Poly Humboldt. Oh has yeah, it they can. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So tell <laughs> us about. They're getting straight. Tell us about like when you made the transition <laughs> to being a professional juggler and sort of like what that looks like for you now yeah. to make your living juggling at events. Yeah. So I finished up college and then immediately started working with a couple friends that I had known for a very long time that also grew up in the mountains. Uh, if you're in the juggling scene, Kevin Axtell and Aaron Stevens, uh, and we created mountain motion. Uh, we like the word motion in our yeah. names. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Uh, maybe I am the motion. Yeah, <laughs> you are the motion. Yeah. You're like, Common listen, whatever there. we do, motion needs <laughs> yeah. to be in the name. And so all three of us grew up in Murphy's and learned juggling about the same time. And so, 
we all came together, created this show. We all had aspired to be professional jugglers. Aaron had been juggling for a long time. Kevin had already been working as a juggler for a long time. Um, and that we did that for about two years and we really pushed it as a team very quickly realizing that trying to make a livable wage as a three person juggling team was yeah. more difficult than even two people. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we, during that time we get, went back to the IJA or I mean, we had never been to the IJA. I went back to the IJA as part of Mountain Motion. We got another bronze medal. In nice. Teams. Nice. Did you and lose to the same people you lost to the years before? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. That would have been funny, though. <laughs> and at a certain point, we realized we just had different ideas about what we wanted to do. Uh, Kevin was getting into fire walking and empowerment stuff, and Aaron was running IJA stuff and wanted to get out and do the IRCs, which has become a really successful part of the IJA. Which was IRC? The oh. IRCs are the international regional competitions oh. of, the, of the IJA. So they're like qualifiers to get to the big show. Not exactly. They're a way to make money for the IJA. Uh. No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. No, the IRCs are uh, just regional competitions. Okay. So they're standalone at this point. You could, I can see why you would think that they'd be qualifiers, but that's not, the organizational structure is just not set up to facilitate that at this point. Are they like mini festivals of the IJA? Usually or? they're part of a festival gotcha. that's already happening. Gotcha. So like, uh, there's been IRCs in Latin America. There's been IRCs in Europe. There's been IRCs. She even went and did an IRC in Afghanistan, I wow. think, at one yeah. point. Before. Did you get a season assist from the IRA when they're like, <laughs> yeah, the um, Irish Republican Coalition? Irish When did you just say, you know what? I'm going out on my own. I'm well, and that be... was it. Like Kevin was going one way, Aaron was going another way, and I was like, I want all in on this juggling uh -huh. thing. Like I'm going for the solo juggling career. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, and what was your first solo gig? Oh boy, that? good question. I had done solo gigs prior. Okay. Um, and so we were kind of piecemealing it as a team. Uh, we weren't all just doing team stuff. Sometimes it only made sense to like, well, they've yeah. only got the budget for one There's person. There's $25 for this gig. <laughs> and then, I don't right. think we're going to eat full. Yeah. Five by three easily. <laughs> yeah, no. One of my first gigs that I really remember and think of as like a first real gig for me was the a really small Renaissance fair in Humboldt County. Uh-huh. It was it was tiny. Hold but on, did you pull time. out your sixth grade Renaissance <laughs> knowledge? Your sixth grade Renaissance Those skills <laughs> came out hard. <laughs> Wait, I trained out. for this. So you whip out the yeah. loot. <laughs> I remember that one distinctly because it was one of the first times that I actually was at an event and there were other entertainers doing a show, like a yeah. street style uh, show, and passing the hat and yeah. that sort of thing. And getting to talk to them was very eye opening because totally they. Uh, they just had a different perspective on things. And I was very new to doing hat lines and very new to like interacting with a crowd in that yeah. way. And so I learned a lot from some of those first experiences. Yeah. Nice. Now I want to bring up something. Uh, I hope you guys didn't talk about it while I was away. Um, you do the, what is the, the conversion van or what is the, yeah. the, the van life van life? Yes. <laughs> so how did you end up in that? I, uh, so I started doing fairs back in 2016. I think I went to my first fair conference and, uh, and started getting into fair entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a couple of years, traveling all over the Northwest, 
in my Toyota Matrix at the time and bouncing in and out of hotels. My wife was traveling with me one year. She didn't travel with me another year. And it just kind of was untenable. Like mm-hmm. it was such a pain always having to unload everything you owned from the car. I didn't even have enough space in the vehicle to like bring tents and sleeping bags mm. and camping gear. So that was not even an option. So I just remember pouring money out uh, to, to deal with my extra lodging expenses. Yeah. You're eating out all the time. Eating out all yeah. the time. It just was crazy. And uh, there was a point when we were living in the Bay Area, uh, Kendra, my wife, uh, was had not traveled with me that summer which was lame because I was gone for like five months and you know, I saw her a couple times throughout that time. She was working a full-time job and barely paying the crazy Bay area prices. And I was like, this is stupid. You want to be writing and you don't have time because you're paying rent at this place that I don't even live at. And there's gotta be another solution. And that's about when the van life craze Mm -hmm. was happening. And, uh, and my brother had already bought a van. He didn't use it as a conversion thing, but I was aware of it at least. And, uh, and the answer just became clear. It's like, get a van, turn that into your home base. Yeah. Let go of renting. And, and that way Kendra can write, uh, when I'm out doing the gig, she's at, she's at the hotel over right now doing just that. And, uh, she's too cool for both of us. Is what you're saying. <laughs> and I had oh. the, I had the construction skills and mechanical savvy that I knew I could get a van and build it out myself. Yeah. I wouldn't have to pay for that part. And um, your van is crazy. It's like the juggle mobile when you open the back doors. Yeah, like juggle mobile. Every juggler who sees it, it's like, what? Yeah. And then I'm like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> you have nowhere for a deck of cards. Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't have a single deck of cards <laughs> in the back. <laughs> yeah. I definitely went all in on the juggling. And was that a good decision? The uh, the van life was it? It's a, been great. Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. It comes with its challenges, you know. Of course, just trying to cram two people's lives in one van. Yeah, is uh, is challenging, and well, especially when uh, half of the van is juggling stuff and the other stuff half the van is Star Wars stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not that much, <laughs> but yeah, we do have a Star Wars theme in the van. We decided to call it the Millennial Falcon. Yeah, yeah. I was driving because you guys are millennials helping, yeah, <laughs> yeah. helping us, helping us fly to our dreams as uh, millennials, uh, uh, something like that. I don't know. I thought it was because you were born in like the eighties or nineties. So well, yeah, you're yeah. also a millennial. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's yeah, maybe yeah, you are totally. also the poetic and poetic motion. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I would think the motion machine yeah. or something, the yeah. millennial motion machine. There you go. Right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that doesn't sound creepy on a van. <laughs> Uh, like who are some people that were like influential for you to become a professional performer? Like who are some people that were like, Oh man, if I could attain that level or people, you yeah. know, cause you know, there isn't a lot of like, I mean, there are a lot of working jugglers, but you know, they're not, you know, I guess the Bay area has a, f- a fair amount actually. A few. Yeah. Yeah. Not as many as you'd think. Yeah. Um, well, there were a few people who had, a big influence to me creatively. There were other people that I saw peripherally doing shows uh, that were inspiring. It was kind of hard to find a model that I really looked up to that was doing like a show like mine. Mm-hmm. It was part of why I was able to make something unique out of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess name drop time. Like yeah. Reese Thomas was influential early on. I saw Charlie Brown do some routines yeah. at 
uh, at various juggling festivals. Kevin Axtell was really influential early on. He kind of taught me a lot of, of various ropes, and then we worked together as poetic motion or as mountain motion. Um, uh, Victor Key creatively oh, yeah, was yeah. really inspirational, and then you know I spent a lot of time just browsing YouTube and trying to find other working jugglers. Yeah, and so I've. I've looked at so many different sites and so many different uh, entertainers yeah. that it's all sort of turned into a, a mush in my brain as to like... <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's nice about, you know, people today who are coming into the industry. It's like the information is much more accessible. The access to yeah, it. Like, yeah, like you can see yeah. videos of performers on, you know, a drop of a dime. You can, you know, look at people's websites. Like, like when I was coming up, there was like, there was... I had to take a bus to another state to like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a dial-up modem. It was like, you know... Totally. I, my mom couldn't talk on the phone for two hours if I wanted to look at the Raspini's website, yeah. you know? It's like... Uh, being in the Bay, too, I also got to interact a lot with Dan Holzman. Yeah. We'd hang out a little bit, and he'd give me some tips on just the industry and working as a juggler. Uh uh, he might have been the one that gave me the advice to stay away from the word juggling in your marketing. Yeah, I'm not maybe, sure. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that is something I would probably sell people. Yeah. Uh, I also did Showbiz Blueprint with Barry Friedman. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was which was really helpful and influential, though I didn't have enough time to like really work through the class. Mm. It definitely just got me connected with some other entertainers and like uh, just getting new perspectives on the industry. Uh, Mark Wilder helped me help give me a boost in the fair industry. He's yeah. the one that originally introduced me to it. Um, so a lot of different people influencing in a lot of different ways. Uh, Michael, um, comedy juggler, Michael from the 80s. Michael Rosman, Michael Davis. Uh, Michael Davis uh, was a big inspiration. Yeah. Just seeing his level of professionalism yeah. and comedy yeah. and like his casualness. Mm -hmm. yeah. The passing zone I've looked yeah. up to as like yeah. funny jugglers. Most of those people we've had at the Moisture yeah. Festival, Louis. Correct. I, I was I, like <laughs> checking off my boxes. Yep. <laughs> I hit my superfecta of names. <laughs> boom, boom, yeah. boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cash in my ticket. And so uh, when did the Moisture Festival come into your sort of... Uh, existence your sort of I world think, your bubble i think i became aware of it in the early 2010s uh maybe even maybe even toward the end of college as poetic motion machine but at that point we were i don't know all over the place and we <laughs> yeah. might have applied and just not gotten accepted because please tell knew me of us if you whatever. ever perform on a cruise ship you'll call your show the motion in the ocean oh <laughs> that's good motion in the ocean yeah. machine <laughs> machine <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the moisture festival. <laughs> also, at the water, at the wave pool, you say yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, and then I went to Portland Juggling Festival so many times that I got to know uh, some of the the moisture festival crew. I didn't mm. even really know who was involved at the time, but at a certain point, I think I had somebody recommend me to Tim, and Tim reached out mm. something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I, I had just started performing with the New Vision Club at the time, the LED club from Flow Toys that was really about to take the juggling world by storm and yeah. just, like bring it to the nighttime scene, yeah. which previously, if you're not a juggler, just like YouTube affected the ability of jugglers to like learn from each other around the world, yeah. all of a sudden a, light, a quality light up club made it possible for us to juggle at night yeah and like practice yeah all day and night 
<laughs> changed the game. What the world needs is my neighbor in the backyard <laughs> juggling at two in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that was sort of my shoe in. I was doing something really different that, uh, even if there had been club juggling at the moisture festival stage, there hadn't been led club juggling. Yeah. And then I also dropped uh, a pixel poi routine. So uh, I went out and did like full on, uh, I was the led guy. And pixel poi is a thing you spin around. It makes a, like an image. It looks really cool. Yeah. It's yeah. like a floating TV. Extremely <laughs> high resolution. It's like a spinning TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically <laughs> it's like very high resolution images. So you can make really cool patterns yeah. and like effects. And, and how was your experience when you stuff. were there? Did you enjoy it? What was, uh, I loved it. I had a blast. Yeah. They put me up at somebody's place up the road. I got to check out Seattle more than I ever had before. Um, it was, it was great just being able to hang out and schmooze with other entertainers, yeah. which is of course one of the highlights of Moisture yeah. Festival. Yeah. And have you do it one year or two years? I've only done it once. Okay. Yeah. So that was what? 2018, I think. 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you bring well it done, like, Lou. you know, well done, Louis. we, we had that discussion ahead of time <laughs> we and we were all Googling it. And then you, now you're going to take credit. Like, you know, <laughs> 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 we spent way too much time coming with that fact. For well done. To be dropped. <laughs> well done. Now I do have one other question for you before we wrap this up that uh, like, you know, you're coming from an athletic background, you played sports and there is a form of juggling that has been on ESPN and stuff like the, co they call it combat juggling or at, at the juggling what combat. Yeah. So yeah. it's essentially where uh, multiple people are in a room and they're all juggling clubs and they're, uh, and so the goal is to knock the club Make the person drop without you yourself dropping. And, but, and it seems like they've tried to make this like a relative, like some sort of sport. Uh, like it's been on ESPN. I mean, have you ever attempted this or does it I've, interest you? Or is, how do you <laughs> feel about that? I've definitely played combat. It's a really common game to play at juggling festivals. Uh, all in all, it's fun to play once in a while. Yeah. Um, I'm always a little worried that I'm going to like break a finger or something Somebody's because some people out. get really yeah. crazy about it. Uh, and, and I like it because it's competitive and it's fun. It's different. It is a very different approach to juggling. Um, not something you do at the yes, you canopy, not something you do at the yes, you canopy. It's definitely hey, little kid <laughs> smack. You're out. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm kind of sensitive to the different, ways that juggling is perceived on the outside world mm. right and combat is not the worst outside perspective like looking in yeah like okay this there's a different take on juggling oh uh. and they're like knocking things out of each other's hand it's kind of what a lot of people want to do when they see a juggler they just want to <laughs> whack things out of their hand okay so we're acknowledging please that. just stop that please stop <laughs> and i'm combat juggling <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. do we have do you have a friend we can call <laughs> And so, you know, that was like one just random appearance in the media of sorts. That yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well, you just got that much more exposure to juggling in a much different perspective. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm not going to go play combat juggling on yeah. ESPN. Not yeah, my yeah. thing. Um, but I do enjoy it at a festival. So how do people see juggling? How do you see other people perceiving uh, the juggling mm -hmm. as an art form or genre? It hasn't changed a lot since I started. Clowns. Chainsaws. Yeah. And now a little bit of ESPN <laughs> whacking yeah. clubs out of each other's hands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but there have been other influences too. Like uh, once again, social media has made a big impact, and especially more than anything, I think TikTok has actually 
shown a lot more people different juggling. Like there's a few jugglers who were not even part of the juggling community in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they hit it on TikTok and they they blew up. Like, yeah. That juggling girl, uh, uh, the flow juggler or something like that. Um, and they, they just would, they do three ball tricks and they like show people what they're doing. And, and there was another one that did just like glow juggling. Uh-huh. It was like completely, you couldn't even see who they were, but they were doing glow juggling in front of the camera. Yeah. And like what? those videos got millions and millions yeah. of views. And like most of the people seeing this were not jugglers. Right. Yeah. There's and not so, 23 million jugglers yeah, in the yeah. world. <laughs> and a lot, of the, a lot of the response was really good. They were like, whoa, I've never seen anything yeah, like this before. Yeah, less this negative cool. than like YouTube where they're like, man, my uncle can do that. Or this guy's <laughs> nose is so big. Or, right. yeah. But the thing too, I think it, why it works in that short format TikTok is there's no exposition, right? You can just do the cool trick. You don't have to, like in a live show, you have to have build or whatever. Mm, you right. can just take the slice of coolness and go, here it is. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the interactivity of something like TikTok, especially, and uh, now Instagram more so too, where you're like, where talking to the camera, like you are doing a little performance for these people on TikTok. Yeah. Where taking like, if I took a little slice out of my show and threw it on TikTok, it's not going to be the same as me entertaining the people on TikTok. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that can be really effective through, through these platforms. And, uh, so I started doing a little bit of that a couple of years ago, uh, during the tail end of pandemic and just started teaching some juggling short form, like ready to learn a cool trick. I t- taught the box and like, yeah. because I was interacting and like showing some people something different that they hadn't seen, like the video did really well, you know, sure. There were crazy comments, but there were also a lot of people actually trying this. Yeah. Like, nice. people like I tried this, couldn't figure it out, but cool trick right mm-hmm. like, and then just that much more exposure to juggling yeah is uh is good for juggling overall i think it's one of the most untapped uh, activities and things that we have as as people <laughs> yeah as humanity so the people can check you out on tiktok i think it's throw zone the throw zone the throw zone yep and that's on TikTok. You also are on Patreon where you teach different types of juggling and you instruct people on their juggling careers. And how do people find you on Patreon? Uh, it's the throw zone on everything. On everything. Yep. So the throwzone.com, throwzone on Instagram. The throw the zone. Throw the throw zone. Jeez, man. <laughs> Goodness. Is there a throw zone? That, when like, I first uh, started doing the throw zone, uh, I looked up throw zone and there was throw zone academy, which is a pitching Oh, baseball yeah, pitching yeah. academy. Um, and so that was my way of distinguishing. <laughs> Have you ever gotten a call on accident? They're like, hey, our no. son and you know, can throw 100 miles an hour, but he needs to, you know, and yeah. you're like, I will do my best. Send me a, che- <laughs> send me a check, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> nope. I uh, haven't heard anything from them, uh, but they still do exist. Yeah, well, I think you, they're also in California. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But you trademarked the throw zone, right? I did. So I haven't really done much with that. I think I have to renew this. You got to shut down throw zone. <laughs> do, we, do we have to pay you just for plugging your website? Yeah, right. TM. Uh, I've never put the TM on the logo or anything like that. It was one of those things I did kind of on the spur of the moment. Not even sure yeah. what the benefits would be. But there's a ton so. of great video of you out there. You teaching stuff. You're doing cool tricks. You're, yeah. you know. In cool spots doing cool tricks. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And so, and lots of different props, you know, poi, glow stuff, you know. Yeah. And you can check out Jeremiah uh, on the throw zone across all platforms, yep. but please Google, uh, you know, 
glow in the dark juggling and what was the <laughs> the spinning stuff called the pixel poi the pixel poi yeah or the visual poi technically yeah. is the brand i yeah, use totally with my channel and with my show like one of my main goals as an entertainer is and teacher is to share the joy of the juggling arts with the world. Yeah. And so I think you succeeded. I, that, that's, are succeeding. It's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of what my, I try and focus on sharing cool places and doing cool juggling and yeah. sharing, teaching people along the way. So that's what the whole platform's dedicated to. I just started the Patreon this year, so it's sort of in its fledgling it's right. state. Yeah. Um, but there's it's still so cool a lot that of you're doing that to learn. Yeah. And, I mean, you got me to buy some poi, so I mean, hey. I mean, and I'm an old curmudgeon, so I'm very stuck in my ways. So yeah. you, you've succeeded. Yeah, yep. you found the cracks in the cement. <laughs> <laughs> you found the wrinkles in Matt's, Matt's uh, old man. Eyes. Well, Jeremiah, uh, it's a pleasure to work with you, man, and it's been a pleasure to get to know you. And thank you for taking your time. Thanks for hanging be, out in the meeting yeah. room. Likewise, or this is yeah, uh, you know this stuff. is the Moisture Festival conference room. Yeah, we said we said. <laughs> We only need 12 square feet, and they gave us 80. <laughs> yeah, I mean, couldn't have been a, couldn't have been much better in a lot of ways. I, I thought we were going to be doing it in the green room. <laughs> well, we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Thank hey, you. thank you, guys. That's it for today, folks. Want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out more information like who's performing, how to volunteer, how to contribute, be sure to go to the Moisture Festival website, which is moisturefestival.org. If you like this podcast, you can check out the podcast that Matt and I do called the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Yeah. You can get on all of the podcast places, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and where we talk about weird news stories of the day. It's a good time. Yeah. If you like this podcast, you will love that because it is all things weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that has links to my personal page and Louis Fox's personal page if you want to follow what we do individually. So we want to thank all of the performers, donors, sponsors, volunteers who put Put on the Moisture Festival. It really takes a village to make this thing happen. Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening, and we want to thank you in advance for coming out to the Moisture Festival. So be sure to check out the Moisture Festival's site. They also have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a YouTube page to see how you can get involved and be a part of this year's or next year's Moisture Festival. We want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, and we hope to see you soon. See you later. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.